Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study every single day of the week, only about 13 minutes long or so, but it keeps us in God's Word, keeps us in focus on our relationship with God and upon our soul's salvation. It also helps us to stay strong and even grow stronger in our faith because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. Now, we repeat that over and over and over again, I know every day, virtually. But it's important for us to get that into our heads because so many people hardly ever, if ever, read the Bible to any degree, and they need to grow in their faith. And you know people like that, probably. Probably some within your own family, in fact. So help them by sharing these short studies with them every single day. Share through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help somebody turn their life around. You may help somebody get to heaven. What a great blessing for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day with everybody you can. We are moving along in our line of thought and study, asking the question, what must I do to be saved? Well, the very first step, as we have been pointing out, is I need to recognize that I'm a sinner and lost in my sin, because the wages of sin is death, Romans 6 and verse 23. But God offers me a gift, a gift, eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord, a home with heaven for all, a home in heaven with all eter- for all eternity. God offers that gift to me, but First, I've got to understand that there are conditions to my receiving that gift. Now, some people will say, ah, see, you're trying to put works salvation on there. No, there's no no amount of works that we can do that can earn us our salvation or obligate God to save us. It's a gift from God by his grace, but there are conditions to our receiving the gift, to his offering the gift to us or giving it to us, I should say. It's offered to everybody. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. But think about the alcoholic or the drug addict. Before they can be really cured, and, and I, you, know, you never really cure an alcoholic or a drug addict, but before they can come to the point where they are clean, from those particular addictions and they are strong enough to stay over, stay, you know, above them and overcome them completely. They have to first understand they are an alcoholic. They are an addict and they need help to be able to overcome their addiction. So the first thing for me, if I want to be saved is I've got to recognize I'm a sinner lost in the condemnation of my sin. And that is the most tragic set of circumstances that any human being can face ever because we're talking about eternal condemnation. And then I need to learn about Jesus Christ as my Savior, God's Son, and I need to come to believe in him as my Savior, my Lord, and God's Son. Now then, I need to come to the point where I recognize I can't just believe. A whole lot of people, that's all they want to have to do is just believe in Jesus, believe in God, and they're okay. That's not what the scriptures teach. I need to repent of my sins. In Luke chapter 13 and verse 3, Jesus was 
laying out a real-life example, in fact, a couple of them, for the people who are listening to him at that particular time. And he's pointing out different individuals who lost their lives in tragic circumstances, and he says, you know, do you think think that they were worse sinners than anybody else because those things happened to them and they ended up dying because of those situations, those tragedies? And he says, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He says that again in, cha- in verse 5 of Luke chapter 13. So he repeats it for emphasis, and he uses a different but a similar kind of example to get across the point. Now, he's not talking about perishing physically, because we all know that unless the Lord comes again first on that final day of judgment, we're all going to die physically. That's a reality of life in this world in our physical form. But he's talking about perishing for all of eternity, guilty and condemned in our sins because we have not repented of our sins. Now, what does that word repent mean? Technically, it means a change of mind. And we really have to get into that change of mind before we can truly repent because we have to make up our mind. I'm going to stop this, whatever it might be. For the alcoholic, I'm going to stop drinking. I want to stop drinking. I'm going to seek the help that I need to be able to help me to accomplish that reality, achieve that goal. I want to stop drinking. For the drug addict, I, I, I don't want to be an addict anymore. I don't want to take drugs anymore. It's ruining my life, ruining my family, ruining my livelihood. It's, it's leading me ultimately to physical death because it takes its toll on me. I want to stop taking the drugs. Okay, so I've got to make up my mind. I've got to make up my mind. I'm going to change. So repentance, it's technically a change of mind, but understood is a change of mind that leads to a change of lifestyle, a change of behavior, a behavior. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and verse 10, the Apostle Paul was writing about this very subject, and he says, godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Now, back in verse 9, he said, I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance, for you were made sorry in a godly manner. And then again in verse 10, godly sorrow produces repentance to salvation. Well, so what did Paul mean there exactly? A whole lot of people are sorry for their sinful lifestyles or maybe for particular sinful practices that they have committed or taken part in. But being sorry is not repentance. A whole lot of sorry sinners out there. You have husbands who are sorry every time they beat their wife or cheat on their wife. You have wives who are sorry every time they cheat on their husband or treat him in some you know, wicked way, but they, had, they don't change their practices. They just keep going right back to them. You have people, all kinds of people in jail who are sorry that they got caught, maybe even sorry that they committed that particular crime 
But if they come to the point where their mindset has changed, that when I get out of here, I will never take part in those kinds of practices again. You see, the recidivism rate for uh, people who go to jail is extremely high, shockingly high. They end up back in jail after a period of time because they go back to the same relationships that contributed to their being in jail in the first place. Relationships that influence them to get back into those old lifestyles, robbing, stealing, violence, whatever it might be. So I've got to change my mind to the point that I change my life. That's repentance. Not just being sorry. It starts with being sorry. But it's a sorrow that leads to a change in my life. That has to happen for me to truly repent. When the Apostle Peter and the rest of the apostles were asked on Pentecost, what shall we do? Peter had, his words are highlighted in that second chapter of the book of Acts. The day of Pentecost, he's preaching a scathing gospel sermon. I'll tell you what, a lot of preachers who are so-called preachers of the gospel today in various denominations, they need to go back and read Peter's sermon there in Acts chapter 2. He didn't pull any punches. He didn't sugarcoat the, the, the facts of the matter. He didn't try to make everybody in the crowd feel good, you know, just feel good. God loves you. In spite of their states of sin, they had rejected the Savior. They were not giving their lives to, to the Lord. They were in disharmony with God's will, and they needed to be made aware of that. And Peter made them aware, and many of them, they said, what shall we do? And the very first word out of his mouth in response was repent. Repent. You've got to change your mind, and not just intellectually, you've got to change your life. You are not walking with Jesus. You've got to walk with him. You did not believe in him. You've got to believe in him. Jesus said, if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. John 8 at verse 24. You've got to believe in, your, in, in Jesus as God's son and the Lord and Savior. Now, that was important for them. They had to understand that they really needed to come to a true state of repentance. A true state of repentance. In simple terms, if we want to just boil it down, as one preacher said many, many years ago, repent, it means stop it. <laughs> so you've got to change your life. I've used the illustration a number of times, and I went through this myself. There, I came to a point where I realized I, I've got to change the way I eat, the way I live, because I'm too heavy. I was never... I don't think where you'd call obese, but I, I was uncomfortably heavy. And I had to learn that I could not just go on like that. I needed to change not just my, you know, intellectual thinking. I've got to lose some weight. I'd been on diets before. I had to change the way I lived. And I began developing a regimen to do that. And over a period of a couple of years, I lost an extreme amount of weight for the size that I was. And I was so thankful for that. I felt so much better. 
But that's where a whole lot of people come up short when it, when it comes to, they say, I, I, I want to lose weight. Well, okay. Are you ready to make the commitment? You've got to not just change. You know, you, you, you've got to not just have the thought in your head, but you've got to change your mind to the point that you change your life. And that's repentance from sin. Not just that I recognized I sinned. I've got to change my mind. I, I don't want to do that anymore. I will take whatever steps I need to take to stop that practice in my life or to stop, change that lifestyle if I'm caught up in a lifestyle of sin. Now we're going to talk about the next step in the process of coming to salvation through Jesus Christ. Next time, let's pray. Father, help us to understand our need to repent of sin because sin is our biggest problem because our enemy, the devil, is always trying to lead us into sin and thereby spiritual death, separation from God. Help us to open our eyes and see his tricks, his temptations, his allurements. Help us to stand strong against him, Father, and help us to turn away from sin in true repentance. Please, Father, strengthen us and guide us in your will. Please forgive us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.